We're here to talk about the blood of Jesus. It does what? Cleanses from all. How many of you will admit you're a sinner? All right. Those that didn't raise your hand, you are now because you just lied. <laughs> How many of you can remember when you got saved? If so, okay, wait a minute. Let's see. Okay, go ahead. Raise your hand. We'll start it that way. Raise your hand. Okay. And I don't want to embarrass anybody. But if you want to tell us the date, uh, I'll cut this off in just a minute. But do you remember how, how old you were, or if you don't remember the date? Um, I know I was seven, okay? I'll start it off. I was seven years old when I got saved, 1948, First Baptist Church in Pasadena. All right, who wants to be a testifier? When did you get saved? All right. Deer Park, all right, good, okay, quickly, quickly, all right. Ten years old, White Springs Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. Alabama, all right, how about that, look here, these folks turn around looking at you because they're from Alabama, Roy and Cecilia, all right, go ahead. Right here, it's Sagebond, okay, let's go. All right. Summer camp in Crescent, Arizona, 1949. Yes, sir. Amen. Preach the gospel since. How many of you were saved before you were 12 years old? Would you raise your hand? Now look here just a second. Let's just make an observation, okay? Put it down. How many of you were saved from the time you were 13 to uh, 19 years old? Okay. How many from 20 to 30? 30 to 40? 40 to 50? Over 50? One, two, three, four, five, six. I won't go any higher. Okay. <laughs> That's the reason that we like to see our young people come to church, our kids, our young teenagers, and get to know Jesus and have Jesus living in their heart when they go out on the battlefield, when they get off to college, when they become a young adult, and so forth and so on. And uh, oftentimes today... And I wrote, wrote something down here that um, this was just, uh, uh, just a few years back. Just the statistics are worse than what I'm fixing to read you. They're worse today. At this time, Southern Baptists had 37,567 churches in the United States. 37,567 of that number, 7,968 didn't baptize a single person. That was 21% of them. 3,221 baptized one person. 3,047 baptized two people. 7,055 baptized between three and five. 
5,657 baptized between 6 and 9. 7,500 baptized between 9 and age 25. Now the figures will change. Those 26 to 50, there were 1,990, or 5% of the total, 5.3%. 605 were baptized between 51 and 90, excuse me, between 51 and 90. And 220 were baptized over 100. Boy, you're talking about getting by by the skin of your teeth and getting to know the Lord. I would encourage those of you that are feeling really good tonight to don't go for it. Today is the day of salvation, right? Now is the accepted time. And the blood of Christ does what? It cleanses from all unrighteousness. But without the shedding of, there's no remission for? Now help me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus came to seek and to save those which are lost. He came with a purpose, not to set an example of sinless living, which he did, but God sent his Son to this world in order that you and me could be born again because we were born in sin. The Bible says in sin, our mother conceived us. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None are righteous, no, not one. But after you hear two or three of those, it's sure good to hear the other side of it. But the blood cleanses from all sin and whosoever will can come and drink of the water of life freely. When you think about what happened, you've heard me say this many, many times, but it, it's, uh, it won't leave my mind. The night I got, I got saved or baptized on a Sunday morning, Sunday night I was standing up at the front running around with other seven-year-olds, and, and a lady came over to me and she said, how do you feel? And I said, I feel like a thousand pounds have been lifted off my back. I couldn't have told you what a thousand pounds was. I didn't know whether I was talking about the battleship Texas or, you know, the weight of, a, of, of my suitcase. But I know one thing. I felt different that night. I felt like the light had been turned on. And I've never, never doubted my salvation. Now, I know that there's a problem at times that people say, well, when is too young? I had a cousin that was saved at age five. She could read the front page of the Houston newspaper when she was five years old, not miss a word. Tommy French, who was pastor over in Baton Rouge, was saved at five and a half. And uh, Tommy pastored that church over there for 50 years, and my dad led him to the Lord as he led me to the Lord. Last Sunday, we saw Sophia baptized, five and a half years old. If you didn't put the one plus one together, yes, that is the little girl that prayed uh, to the, for the whole church. And by the way, if you ever need prayer, uh, before you call me, call her. Uh, she, uh, I'm sure, is probably going to be here tonight if she's not here already. But anyway, she is five and a half years old, and I've never seen anything like it. I mean, she'll go into a bus station, I'm sure, the, or the airport and say, can I pray for you, can I pray for you, can I pray for you? But tonight is a very special night for those of us that are saved it's a night for us to remember 
Just remember. I think the saddest thing that ever happens in a, in a believer's life is to forget how you got saved and how undeserving that we were when Jesus came into our heart and how we couldn't put one plus one together and get two because we did not know exactly, Lord, what have you got planned for my life? And you know what? There's some folks here tonight, and you're an adult, and you still haven't figured out what God's plan is for your life. I talked yesterday to the McQuirters. He's the one that used to make the pictures right here of our baptizing. And uh, his grandfather was Dr. Roy Ladd. For those of you that grew up in Houston knew that he was one of the major ministers of the Baptist churches in Houston. I believe Baptist Temple was the church. And I remember Chuck walked out and we were and making a picture and he said, it's going to be my last day because God's calling me to the ministry. That hadn't been very long, two years ago maybe. He's now at Rice University helping those intellectuals understand that there is a reason for the hope that's in us and that he knows how to deal in apologetics with those that feel like that, you know, God's not real, salvation can't be by grace through faith or whatever. And I believe that God's going to give them one of the great ministries in the years to come because what a need it is. That's what we're going to be talking about this coming weekend, folks. We have got to get our students prepared for the world that they're going to walk into when they walk off of that stage on graduation night. And as they face people all over our universities, that's going to try to put a doubt in their heart and into their mind. And we don't have to be ashamed of the blood of Christ that cleanses from all sin. And we can remember the high price that was paid for our salvation. And we can understand that God doesn't make any junk and that he has equipped us for the work of the ministry God has called us to do. But the one thing when Jesus gave communion on that first night, it was very, very clear that he just said, don't forget me. Don't forget the high price that was paid for our sins. And not only does the blood save, but there's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. Don't you like that song? There's power, power. Just real quickly, three or four of you, a song with the blood in it that you like very well. Just what's the title of it? I'm not going to ask you to sing it. Okay, so Stuart, you can participate. All right. All right, the blood songs, everybody, real quick. Nothing but the blood. Hold the blood. I'm hearing one over here, but what can wash my nothing but the blood of Jesus, right? The blood shall never lose its what? Power. All right. Isn't it a shame, folks, that that uh, a lot of preachers don't use that word anymore because it offends their congregation. But we know tonight we wouldn't be here without the shedding of blood. There is no remission for sin. And so the Lord would just say to us tonight, as you take this bread, remember my broken body, broken for you. And when you drink the cup, remember this is cup you drink in remembrance of me. So I want to set this up and 
by reading from Luke chapter 22, uh, verse 7. And the day of the unleavened bread came on which the Passover must be sacrificed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make ready for the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we make ready? And he said unto them, Behold, when you are entered into the city, there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house whereunto he goeth. And you shall say unto the master of the house, The teacher says unto thee, Where is the guest chamber? Where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples. And he will show you a large upper room furnished. There make ready. They went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready for the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down, the apostles with him, and he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I shall not eat it until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he received a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, Take this, divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I shall not drink from henceforth of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took the bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And the cup in like manner after the supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, even that which is poured out for you. For behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man indeed goeth as it hath been determined, but woe unto the man through whom he was betrayed. The way I understand the New Testament is that Baptized believers took of the communion, or what we call the Lord's Supper. They were baptized believers. They had given their heart to the Lord. They had gone public. They were not ashamed of the gospel. And they were going to be disciples. They weren't going to be members of something. They were going to be disciples. And as we take communion here at Sagemont, it's not for Sagemont Church. But it is for born-again believers who have given their heart to Jesus Christ and know that when you did that, the old life died and new life came. And I always think of the wedding ring. This tells people that we're not ashamed, just like the baptistry does, that we're not ashamed of the blood. It's there's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. And so as we serve tonight, I do want you to know if you're visitors, if you're guests, you're welcome if you're a baptized, born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know you're adopted into the family and you're an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And that God has a plan for your life. But along the road, he wants you to be sure and do this in remembrance of me. In the tables, the altar tables in churches all over the world, I don't think I've ever seen one, Stuart, that didn't say, in remembrance of me, in remembrance of me. That's the most important thing. It's in remembrance of me. We know that this grape juice is grape juice. It's symbolic. We know that the crackers are symbolic, but they represent the blood and the body of Christ. 
So what we will do here in just a moment, our deacons will come and I will hand to them the trays and then they will go to their assigned place to serve. And if you will, if you're sitting over here, if you kind of move closer to the aisle, the end of the aisle, it'll make it easier on you and them when they come back there. And if we could just uh, have a moment of, of quietness and reverence. And once you've gotten the cup, now the cup will have the bread uh, and the, and the uh, juice. So just hold it and we'll take the bread first and then we'll take the cup, okay? Father, now bless us as we minister communion. Lord, may our focus be upon you and the need that we have for you in our life. Every one of us here are carrying some kind of a burden. Every one of us here know that in some areas of our life we're not what we want to be. And we're not what we ought to be. But thank God we're not what we used to be. And I pray, God, that you'll just bless this time. May it be a time of memory, a time of thanking you for when we were saved, when we were baptized, when we began to serve for the first time, went on our mission trip for the first time. Lord, whatever it is, would you take this moment and be glorified by it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Deacons, would you come forward, please? If you'll just take the top cup out and hold the bottom one for a moment. And let me read to you the scripture from John chapter 6, verse 58. This is the bread which came down out of heaven. Not as the fathers ate and died, but he that eateth this bread shall live forever. Then the scripture tells us that uh, after the bread was taken, they received the cup. And I read to you in regards to the cup, and according to the law, I may almost say that all things are cleansed with blood. And apart from the shedding of blood, there's no remission. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul wrote, for as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Are you ready? If the trumpet sounds, are you ready? The dead in Christ will rise. Those of us which are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Oh, tonight, if you don't know him, you sure can. And every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. If you're a believer, 
and you've walked a few years, do you agree with the words to that song? It just gets, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. I don't think I've ever met a believer that, that didn't feel that way. That didn't mean it got easier. Sometimes we needed it more when we get older than we did when we get new when, when we were younger. But the point is, he's always there. He is always there.